0: morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311cast episode 22, where I don't know about you, but this podcast is feeling 22. Did you like that? Did you like that? There's a Taylor Swift reference. I think that's the second time that I've heard that. Yeah, I know. I messed up episode 21 and did the episode 22 intro, but that's okay because being 22 is just a one-year anniversary of being able to legally purchase alcohol in the United States of America. So, So let's celebrate. We're going to be celebrating that today on this episode by giving you all things sports into your beautiful ears because that is what we do here on the 83 cast. Today we're going to be giving you updates on some college hoops, some MLB, NFL free agency stuff, AAF updates on week five of the Alliance of American Football, and also giving you one more item to add to the list of things football players shouldn't do, so stay tuned for that.
1: Yeah, we're going to uh, start it off like we normally do with a Cyclones women's basketball update, and it has been a fantastic week for the Cyclone women's basketball team. It started off on Monday when the Cyclone women played host to Kansas for senior night at Hilton. It was the last uh, true home game for Alexa Middleton, Bridget Carlton, and Meredith Burkall, And uh, the Cyclones uh, let KU hang around for a little, uh, a lot longer than I was comfortable with, actually. But in the end, took care of business, beat KU at home, and uh, locked up the two-seed in the Big 12 tournament by uh, taking care of business against KU. So that was very nice to see from the uh, Cyclone women. And then they made the trip down to Oklahoma City for the Women's Big 12 tournament, which is going on this weekend. Their first game was played Friday evening, was a rematch versus KU, who had won their uh, their play-in game on Thursday, and Iowa State again let KU hang around for a lot longer than I was comfortable with, but again took care of business and uh, beat KU uh, pretty handily in the second half to advance to the semifinals. And in the semifinal game, which just got done about an hour prior to, uh, to this recording, The uh, Cyclone women downed the Texas Longhorns for the second time this year after beating them in Austin a couple of weeks ago. The uh, Cyclone women jumped out to a big early lead. They shot, I think it was 9 of 15 from 3 in the first half and were up by, I think it was 11 against uh, Texas at halftime. Had a really good first half. But over the course of the second half, uh, Cyclone women allowed Texas to claw back into that game. And Texas had tied it up with... uh, just a couple of minutes left before the Cyclones uh, the cyclones just outplayed him down the stretch to pick up an absolutely huge win in the, conference semi- in the conference tournament semifinals against Texas. Texas was the number three seed in the tournament, as Iowa State was the two seed, so that's a big win, uh, beating the number three seed and a top 25 team, Texas was number 21 going into that game, so it was very nice to, uh, to see the Cyclone women get that win. They will play for the Big 12 Tournament Championship on Monday at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. And they will be playing the number one seed and number one in the nation, Baylor Bears, which nobody's surprised about. K-State maybe gave Baylor a little bit of a scare. They were up for most of the first quarter against uh, Baylor today. But in the end, the game was not close. Baylor uh, blew them out of the water, just like they've done to pretty much everybody this entire season. So it will be... uh, It will be interesting to uh, watch that game Monday night. If somehow the Cyclones could manage to pull off a victory in that game, it would be absolutely gigantic for the Cyclone tournament resume, for momentum, for everything. It would just be an absolutely huge win if the Cyclone women could find a way to beat Baylor on Monday night. So that'll definitely be something to tune in for. 8 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, as I said, it should be a fun game to watch. And hopefully our Cyclones can down the Baylor Bears. But with this win over Texas, the Cyclone women virtually guaranteed themselves a top four seed in the uh, in the Big 12 tournament or not the Big 12 tournament uh, in the NCAA tournament, which means that their first and second round games, assuming they win the first round game, will be in Ames at Hilton Coliseum because the way the women's tournament does it is that the high seeds host for the first and second round. So it's almost guaranteed that first and second round games will be hosted in Ames, Iowa, um, two weeks from um, this weekend. Uh, so the weekend of, what would that be, March 23rd and 24th, first and second round games will be hosted in Ames, Iowa. So that will be it'll be good to be able to play those first and second round games in front of a home crowd at Hilton and uh, to hopefully be able to get out of that those rounds and go to the Sweet 16 and keep this magical season alive, a season that has really seen uh, Iowa State beat expectations by a vast margin, being projected to finish sixth in the Big 12 to start the year and uh, getting the two seed. Also, there was big news um, for the Cyclones Women's Basketball team, and that was that Bridget Carlton was named the Big 12 Player of the Year this year, which is fantastic. She she absolutely deserved it. She she was hands down the best player in the conference, in my opinion. And I know I'm a bit biased, but with her with her scoring and rebounding ability, and just how she can con- just how she can control the game, it was uh, it was an, an, a well deserved honor. But I know that Kyle is upset about one of the other awards. Kyle, can you uh, fill us in on what you are pissed off about this week?
2: Yeah. So everybody was expecting Bridget Carlton to get play of the year. I know I was at least. And the other person that I thought should get a an award for their performance this season was Coach Bill Finley, the head coach of the Iowa State women's basketball team. And you know who didn't receive Coach of the Year? Bill Finley. But you know who did? The coach for Baylor and... Yeah. Baylor was projected to finish first in the conference. This is absurd. They're projected to finish first. They, they finished first. Yeah. So what that they went undefeated in conference play? Who gives a rip? They they've done it for the past four, five, six seasons. Baylor is absolutely dominating this conference. So you can't continue to give coach of the year to that coach for just being good every single season especially when you have a team who is projected to finish sixth. Like Mike said, preseason, projected to finish sixth in the Big 12 and finishes as the second-best team. The second-best team, and they played their butts off the entire year, and Coach Bill Finley absolutely coached that team to that second-place finish. And he has this team playing incredibly well right now. Phenomenal basketball for the women's team. And he's done an absolutely amazing job recruiting these players, coaching Bridget Carlton, the Big 12 Player of the Year. He should have been Coach of the Year, hands down. I I don't know. This is absolutely absurd from a conference that I don't think has anything together, really, in my mind. They have a few things that they get right here and there, like Bridget Carlton getting Player of the Year. But that was an easy pick for them. They just had to look at the stat sheet and look at who was the best player in the conference, and that was her. But they made an egregious mistake in handing out the Coach of the Year award this season. I digress. I am very, very upset at the Big 12 for this egregious mistake. Uh, Another thing that I'm a little upset about is the play of the Cyclone men's basketball team. So we're going to transition and talk about... uh, a dis- another disappointing week for the men's team. So West Virginia uh, took took it to the Cyclones in Morgantown is probably the most accurate way to describe what happened. Iowa State, again, I feel like a broken record here for the past three weeks was in the game for the first, oh, eight minutes of the game. And then it all, all went downhill from there. Double-digit leads for West Virginia, Pretty much the entire rest of the game, and Iowa State was just never never able to climb climb their way back in. They they held uh, West Virginia to shooting under fifty percent from three, but they still shot over what forty five percent from the game from three. Yeah,
1: That's so, so better than against Texas, but still not good.
2: Iowa State's three point defense is atrocious, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Uh, Texas Tech was shooting a lot of threes in the in the second game uh, this week in senior, senior day, because the game was at 1 o'clock. Uh, Texas Tech was still able to get all of their shots from three. To, uh, Iowa State had a great lead uh, in the waning seconds of the first half. And then Moretti, uh, Texas Tech's uh, shooting guard, drilled the three going into halftime to put the to narrow the lead down to four, I believe. Uh, and that really killed a little bit of momentum going into halftime and gave Texas Tech some momentum and some energy going into halftime. And I think that kind of tri- was a shift in the game uh, at that point. Another thing that I did not like seeing was Texas Tech is a very good defensive team, and they're a defensively-minded team. But they were getting a lot of calls going their way on flops, and the refs were buying it every time. So they sold it really well. Props for them to them for selling it and getting getting a lot of turnovers and uh, and change of possessions off of that. But it, there were if if you're not going to be consistent with calling calling fouls, then you shouldn't. You should find a level of consistency for the Big 12 refs. I was upset about that, but another thing—at least the Cyclones showed some heart and had some energy in that game. Hilton was rocking, and in the first four minutes at the under four timeout or the under 16 timeout, sorry, uh, four minutes into the first half, I or the team got a standing ovation going into the media timeout. As the Cyclones were hustling and diving on the court for loose balls, the first possession for Texas Tech resulted in a steal by Iowa State's defense. Uh, Nick Weyer-Babb played great on-ball defense for that. And the Cyclones just had a lot more energy, and I saw some resemblance of the team that started out the year, Uh, a team that was on a roll before these past three weeks. So we'll see if that's the team that shows up for the postseason. Uh, Speaking of the postseason, Iowa State will now transition to Kansas City, a.k.a. Hilton South, and take on the Baylor Bears, who they have not fared well uh, recently in their past 10 meetings. We'll see if we can get a win against Scott Drew's uh, team in Kansas City. Uh, That game will happen at 1130 a.m. on Thursday. So on Thursday this week, the Cyclones will take on Baylor at 11:30 at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Uh, Just a just a a public service announcement for anybody who will be in Kansas City: make sure you show up to the pep rally uh, that'll be held, I I believe, about an hour before game, about an hour before tip-off at the Power and Light District. So come and cheer on your Cyclones and be there. Uh, I will be in the pep band playing for it. So. Be there and cheer them on and everybody show out in full force and let's get Hilton South rocking.
1: Yeah, this is an absolutely huge game as far as where uh, NCAA tournament seating is going to end up for the Cyclones. It would be good if uh, Cyclones could get one win in Kansas City just to show the selection committee that we're not in a complete free fall that it looks like we're doing, especially over a tournament team like Baylor. It would be good to get get a good quality win against them before we – before the uh, selection committee gets to make their final say on Iowa State, as our seed has been dropping over the past uh, past three weeks, from a lot of people I was projected at a four to me now seeing a lot of sixes, sevens, eight seeds projected for the Cyclones. So um, it's really not uh, not been good, but it'll be good. It would be good to get a win over Baylor this week to be able to uh, to hopefully. Uh, steady that seed and start the free fall before the ncaa tournament
2: who cares about our seed anymore let's just go win this big 12 tournament give us some momentum going into the ncaa tournament i'd be happy with that
1: yeah that's fair it would be good it would be good to just uh would be good to just get a win we just need to we just need to get some momentum because we're struggling so much right now yeah but despite the fact that uh, the NCAA tournament is uh, rolling around in uh, in basketball tells us that baseball opening day is right around the corner, and we've been giving you free agent updates and spring training updates as the uh, as spring training has continued on. But this week, we don't really have any updates for you. I mean, Keiko, Kimbrell, neither of them signed as the week got on. I mean, as of right now, we're... Uh, what, uh, 19 days, 18 days from opening day, depending on what team you are. And they're still, those two big names unsigned, I, um, they're not going to be ready for the start of the season at this point. There's no way that they could be ready for the start of the year. So it's going to be interesting to see where they sign and what kind of deal they get, knowing that whoever signs them won't uh, won't get them for, a, uh, for the full year this year especially. But, I mean, the real holdup with them is that they're looking for – long-term deals, and, um, and teams are hesitant to sign them to long-term deals because they're both in their uh, low 30s and they've been showing some signs of decline, but no team really wants to sign them to a short-term deal either because signing either of those players um, would result in the team having to forfeit some draft picks over to their former team, and nobody wants to give up draft picks for a short-term deal. So those two players are kind of in the conundrum where nobody wants to sign him a short-term deal because of the draft picks and nobody wants to sign him to a long-term deal because they're old and maybe
2: showing some decline. So in in Kimbrel, or er, not in Kimbrel, in Keuchel's case, sorry, Keuchel has been offered deals from the Astros in variations of one year, two years, and three years. And he's he's declined all of those offers so far. Obviously, he's looking for more years, more money than he was being offered. But he had the chance to go back and sign with a team that's going to be another playoff contender this season again. So we'll see. We'll see if he if he's even able to work something out before uh, before opening day.
1: I assume he'll find a team before opening day. But I'm not. Uh, I mean, I would have figured he'd find a team by now because now he knows he's not going to be ready for the start of the year too. So we'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see, we'll keep monitoring the uh, the hot stove as the weather keeps warming up, we'll see if the uh, free agent market stays warm enough to get uh, those two big name players on teams and we can move forward from there. But other than that, we just got to keep trucking through the last few weeks here before uh, before the uh, season starts, so... um. I think NFL free agency is starting soon, Kyle. You told me that. We've got some, some reported deals that are starting. You want to fill us in on some of those deals?
2: Well, so if if you all were asleep on, what would that have been, Two, Wednesday or Thursday night, uh, there was a reported deal in play that would send Antonio Brown to Buffalo. And if you're unaware of anything that actually came out of that, you you haven't been living under a rock that didn't actually happen that got nixed as soon as it as the rumors started to swirl but just it gave it just enough time for twitter to uh, blow up about the entire situation antonio brown himself uh commented on nfl's instagram's post about the reported offer saying and i quote fake news so that deal didn't happen uh, as you can tell, but this morning uh, news broke that he is being shipped to Oakland in a deal uh, where the Steelers will in turn receive a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. That in in hindsight, that is a terrible deal for the Steelers as they did not get what they should have out of that. But what else were they gonna do? That's they they couldn't get any first-round picks. It was too risky to get another or a second round pick for teams giving that up. That's the best they could do. And in a Madden simulation, somebody posted a picture of that simulated trade and it failed. So obviously Oakland got the better end of, the, of this deal. But in hindsight, Antonio Brown is the big winner of this deal. He gets traded away from the Steelers where he it was very vocal about not liking the Uh, team culture and chemistry with Ben Roethlisberger essentially being a dictator of the team with and I quote 52 or 51 children that he has so Antonio Brown wasn't very happy about that and obviously he's in a situation now where he'll be the number one wide receiver in Oakland Uh, Oakland fills a void after they traded Amari Cooper to the Cowboys earlier this season and in the deal antonio brown was very uh vocal that he wanted a new deal from any team that he signed with and he got that he got over 30 million dollars in guaranteed money over three years and he becomes the nfl's highest paid wide receiver with total earnings uh upwards of 50 million dollars in that three-year contract and the thing that's interesting so oakland the raiders are moving to las vegas for the 2020 season a state in Nevada that doesn't have any state income tax. So his his deal is very backloaded. So Antonio Brown will be saving millions upon millions of dollars in the second and third year of his deal with no state income tax in the state of Nevada. So Antonio Brown, props to you. You came out as the real winner of this trade. Uh, oh, or moving on from that, it was reported earlier in this week that Case Keenum... Uh, keeps on moving a journeyman NFL quarterback has found a new home Um, he was traded from Denver to Washington as Washington was desperately in need of a quarterback with Alex Smith still dead he's not really dead but his his leg has several pins and rods going through it so yeah he's not playing this season so Case Keenum will be their starting quarterback going forward Unless they draft a quarterback that they deem is NFL ready, and in return, uh, so the the um, the uh, pieces of the deal included a swap of sixth and seventh round picks in the 2020 NFL draft. Draft and Denver also agreed to pay half of the salary owed to Case Keenum this season, which equated to about seven and a half million dollars, as Case Keenum was guaranteed fifteen million dollars for the. 2019 season other free agency uh news every stuff is starting to shape up as players are uh begin or reportedly going to be signed with teams michael bennett is on the move to new england uh, from the eagles and now martellus bennett has is contemplating coming out of retirement which would be the second tight end this season to come out of retirement as jason witten ha- apparently had A terrible year in the booth so he wants to go back to a dismal cowboys team uh so that's other news but free agency officially begins or opens on the 13th of march so this wednesday at 4 p.m free agency opens and you will start to see a lot of roster moves and acquisitions this upcoming week
1: yeah, there are also some rumors about Ndamakin Sue maybe uh, going to Minnesota to play for the Vikings. There's some things on his Twitter about that, but uh, there hasn't been anything confirmed on that too. Just a lot of rumors. Deals will start to happen here once uh, once that deadline happens. So that it'll be interesting to see what NFL players sign quickly and what ones uh, take a little bit longer to sign as we get closer to the NFL draft coming up at the end of
2: April. One that signed very quickly was Eric Weddle, who was released by the Ravens already this year, and he signed within the week to the Rams. So the Rams add another key cog to their defense, as they're going to be losing a lot of pieces this season just because they can't afford to pay everybody all the money that they are due so the the rams bolster their secondary with a strong with a with a very very good and talented safety in eric weddle but moving on so we have an update to our heralded section of things football players should not do so if any of you weren't paying attention in the social media world this week one of the cowboys defensive ends who has a history of being suspended due to drug use, uh, went went live on Instagram after a after a suspension uh, for more substance abuse uh, that was announced earlier this month, and he went live on Instagram uh, smoking a blunt. So he's probably gonna get a ban from life from the NFL, and yeah, he's hes in his Instagram live video, he said he was quitting and that he was done with this, that he was tired of the NFL, and he wanted to just get high. So, he'll be sitting at home watching football next season with Josh Gordon, maybe. So, we'll see how that goes. Maybe they could become best buds. But we'll... I mean, we'll, at least Josh Gordon has a Super Bowl ring. That is true. They did give him a the Super Bowl ring. The Patriots did give him a Super Bowl ring, so... I guess. I guess, for Josh I guess he got the best of both worlds. He was able to get high, and he still got a Super Bowl ring, and he didn't even have to play in the game and get injured. So, seems job. to
1: work out pretty well for him.
2: Yeah. Uh, Why
1: would you want to uh, run us down our entire list of things football players shouldn't do? Do you have that handy at the moment, or not yet? Do I need to stall for a few minutes while you find that document? The fact that you're not saying anything tells me that I need to stall for a few minutes. I know know Brian
2: Peavy, graffitied a bridge at Brookside Park, correct?
1: Yeah, that's on the list somewhere.
2: And and football players shouldn't get into fights in bars in a different country. Well,
0: no, it's not that. It's just in general. In general. um, In general. So the entire list of things football players shouldn't do consists of these things. Beat your family members. Don't do it. That's really rude and also illegal. Also immoral. Like, come on, man. Get into a fight in a nightclub. Not specifically in London, but just in any nightclub ever. Don't get into a fight there. Like you said, uh, Brian Peavy with graffitiing the bridge in Brookside Park. Not, we're not saying that only Brian Peavy shouldn't do that. We're saying that all football players should not graffiti the bridge in Brookside Park here in Ames, <laughs> Iowa. Just, just the bridge in Brookside Park. Just the Park bridge. bridge. We didn't okay. say anything about anything about any other bridges, but specifically the bridge. Go for the playguard equipment. The kids will love it. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, we also have uh, throwing a dumbbell at the head coach. Why would you throw anything at the head coach, first of all? And second of all, why would you throw a dumbbell? That's heavy. That's, heavy. that's a lot of work. You want to show actually.
1: that you're strong. You no. Buy.
0: No, that's not worth it. I, it. I'm a man. I can throw things you know what else they can do? They can run over cops. Which is also something football players shouldn't do. You should not run over a cop. Even as a normal human that's not, you know, this huge jacked up NFL player that's like, Bruh! just don't, don't run over cops. We, to, for clarification, he ran him over with a vehicle, not with his massive body. Also, you should never get caught not watching film. That's part of your job as a football player is to uh, watch film. And so do that, especially don't get caught, you know? Also, we have running off the sidelines to make a tackle. This is a high school player that did this up in Minnesota. Yup. If you're on the sidelines, you stay there. Don't run onto the field to make a tackle. Don't do it. We also have getting uh, pulled out of an on-field fight by a cop.
1: Cops aren't supposed to be on the field, so you've done something really wrong if you got them on the field.
0: That is true. Also, uh, going along with the whole running over a cop thing, you also shouldn't drive your vehicle over 100 miles per hour. Uh, If you do, don't get caught, so... Just don't do it in general. Also, don't tweet upside down. <laughs> Come on. Shout out to Le'Veon Bell. How
1: How many what? of these things are on the list because things Pittsburgh Steelers players have done?
0: A large majority. It's kind of bad. Actually, Pittsburgh's had a bad year. Don't tweet do upside down. Also, <laughs> speaking of the Steelers, stealing from your teammate's locker, don't do that. <laughs> that was also the Steelers. It was. It was. Uh, you also shouldn't argue with your coach over wearing a jacket. If your coach tells you to take off your jacket, you take off the damn jacket. That was not the, the state. That was the Houston Cougars. Oof. Also, not listening to our things football players shouldn't do. You should always be listening to this list, especially if you're a football player, to figure out things that you shouldn't do. It's not that hard. It's a pretty simple list, to be quite honest. Uh, also, we have uh, tweeting anti-gay things on Twitter. Don't do that. Uh, deciding not to pay your cab fare. If you take a cab, you should pay for the service that you had just received. Punch a cop who tells you to pay your cab fare. So those kind of go hand in hand. But if you don't, if you do pay your fare, then there's no chance that you're gonna punch the cop that tells you to pay your fare, right? So just pay that's your true. fare, and then you also won't have to even worry about punching the cop who tells you to pay your fare. That's that's definitely a very very cause and effect. That is true. And then also uh, with this latest edition this week, you also should not smoke weed while going live on Instagram if you're a football player. And that's a list of things that football players shouldn't do. Brought to you by the eighty three cast. That's that's a wrap. And not on the episode,
2: just just the list. So so it seems like the correct me if I'm wrong, the NFL has a lot of issues with players not really behaving as they should, right? Have we have we heard anything about the AAF players doing anything wrong?
0: Not really. I mean, the AAF's pretty chill.
1: And they're not big enough names that anybody really cares
0: that they get in the news if they do something wrong. That's true. I think the, the most interesting thing I found about the AAF this week is that the San Diego Fleet's uniforms look exactly like the Buffalo Wild Wings jerseys that servers wear. <laughs> <laughs> they, have the same, they have the same color scheme. They have the same like design on the shoulders. Like, like, look at this. Here, I pulled up a picture for you guys. Uh, go Google this if you're listening to us. But that jersey there, it's, it's has like, the base gray color. And it has the yellow shoulder stripes. It looks oh, like a gosh. Buffalo Wild Wings jersey. Maybe they are part-time right? Buffalo Wild Wings employees. I mean, since I they guess don't really make that much money. If you're playing essentially I mean, minor league football, maybe you had got to go get some extra dollars. You know? Yeah, you, you football can't be a full-time job when you're playing in the AAF. I would bet. So.
2: Well, speaking speaking of the AAF, they have officially reached the midpoint in their inaugural season. Uh, so we will give you a rundown of the standings. Minus. Essentially, minus one game that is still currently playing. Uh, but for right now in the East Division, the Orlando Apollos continue to roll. Uh, they moved to five and zero on the season and are the undisputed best team in the league. The Birmingham Iron, uh, one of your one of your hosts' favorite team, who still believes that they're going to win the AAF title. They are go Iron. Lost this week and moved and dropped to three and two in the season. The Memphis Express uh, continued mediocrity, moving to 2-3 on the season. And the Atlanta Legends wrapping up the East Division at a 1-4 record. Moving out west, where it's a lot warmer than it is currently here in Iowa, the Arizona Hotshots aren't super hot right now. Uh, they are 3-2 on the season. The San Antonio Commanders and the San Diego Fleet, who are currently playing uh on sunday evening as we record this podcast are both sitting at two and two so one of those teams will move to three and two and the other one will obviously move to two and three wow is that how wins and losses work? that is how wins and losses work that's mainly saying that. that there aren't any ties in the aaf
1: speaking of fleet, ties in baseball <laughs> this, this isn't baseball but no t- I just needed to fill you in that there were no ties in baseball. in case Are we talking out. about baseball right now? There are no ties in
0: baseball. There's no crying in baseball. Also no crying in baseball. Those are the t- two rules. Oh, look at the fleet jersey. Look at that. It's a San Diego on there. Like, Look, look at that. Look at the Buffalo Wild Wings jersey. <laughs> it's like the exact they, same they thing. Took, they stole they like took the Buffalo scheme.
2: Wild Wings off the back and put San Diego
0: Honestly, on it. Like, Honestly, come on. I mean, To be fair, all the other jerseys and like designs of the other teams are actually pretty cool, I think. And, uh, I mean, but honestly, people love America loves Buffalo Wild Wings. I know I do. I I, can get behind that jersey. I'm into it. Yeah. Not a sponsor of Buffalo Wild Wings. Unless you want us to sponsor you, then please contact us. Hit us up on 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact.
2: (laughs) So, for the final team in the West Division, they're not doing so well. The Salt Lake City Stallions round out. The, the update in the standings at a one in four record on the season. Stay tuned to your favorite Midwestern based sport, sports podcast as we continue to update the AAF through week six next week.
1: Is it my turn? Is it my turn? Can I? Can I? Can I do my favorite uh, thing? Can we get this? Thing?
2: So I we're think... running out of time, right? Yeah, we've let, time. Cut.
0: Hey, we have lots of time.
1: Don't cut off my thing, it's my thing.
0: We can we can post-edit this and cut it out, right? No, we're just going to cut it. Okay. We're, we're not going to let this go live. But go okay. ahead, Mike.
1: Hey, we don't edit this podcast. <laughs> we do it live in one take, except for last week and why it screwed up. Okay, it was
0: under a minute. Like, we were like Boom. 86 seconds into recording. And I was like, oh god, I got the episode number wrong in the intro. But that, you, I mean, didn't, you, you didn't realize, Joe, no, we told you. <laughs> I, was, I was correcting that. But... We were both sitting over here like, should we tell him? And then we were like, no, we're just going to see how this plays out. <laughs> Anyway, I think what Mike's alluding to is the probably worst segment for the podcast, which is Mike's stupid rules with two O's. Stupid. Get it? Get it? Stupid. Stupid. I think they get it. Yep.
1: So, like I said, I still got some uh, some baseball fever, so we're going to talk about another uh, baseball rule this week. This is a rule that is uh, relatively new to the uh, MLB rulebook, and that has to deal with uh, catchers blocking the plate. So for as long as baseball's been around, one thing that uh, catchers have been able to do is to uh, position their bodies in between a runner running from third to home and uh, home plate as to, you know, sort of get in their way so they have a harder time scoring. Well, this was probably five or six years ago, maybe even longer. There were some big-name catchers like Buster Posey who were getting uh, seriously injured, breaking legs, uh, concussions, things like that from these collisions at home plate. So the MLB made a new rule saying that uh, catchers could no longer block the plate from an opposing runner coming in from third. You must um, stay out of the baseline and give the opposing runner a uh, sliding lane into home plate. while you are waiting to receive a throw from you know a cutoff man from an outfielder from wherever you must give them a sliding lane the only exception to this is where you could maybe get in their way is if the ball is thrown towards that side of you and you have to go into that way to uh be able to catch the ball that would be a situation where you would be allowed to um do that otherwise if you are called for interfering with the runner there by not giving him a sliding lane the runner is automatically safe regardless of how out they were in reality. So it's actually a pretty it's a pretty significant rule change because it turns outs into runs. I mean not regularly but on some occasions that actually turns outs into runs which is a big deal in baseball where runs are hard to come by a lot of the time. So uh, it's definitely definitely a big rule change that still catchers aren't exactly sure. What is and isn't allowed, as far as it's concerned. So there's still some controversy about it, but overall, that is the rule, and so it has to be enforced by the umpires because that's their job. That will make sense for everybody. Everybody on board with that's, that that great rule for baseball.
0: Yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, it's kind of dangerous to place your body in the the, the running running line of somebody who's running. It, at it's very. How's eloquent? (laughs) It's very
2: dangerous. I mean, Buster Posey got destroyed on a play. You're right, he did. But that that really wasn't a blocking. But if you don't want
1: if you if your catcher's valuable enough to your team that you don't want him blocking the plate, that can be your team's decision, right? That that can be a team or a player's decision, right? I don't know. I don't like this rule change. We can debate that later. That's not the point of the stupid rule segment. Just to to uh. To inform you what the rule is. So So I feel I've done
2: that. What Mike said is he's going to get very animated about this later. Off the air probably yeah probably. i mean you've all
1: heard my you've both heard my rant about this rule before yep. his voice
2: gets very high pitched and squeaky when he gets upset <laughs> and animated about things
1: yeah except my voice can't get very high pitched right now because i'm getting a little bit sick but i guess what that's ha- that's what happens when you uh stand out in the cold rain for three and a half hours to get a front row seat to a basketball game while
2: right. it's raining and sleeting,
0: yeah
1: hence the cold and rain like i said but you didn't
0: you didn't say sleep I mean, I feel that. My voice is also kind of going out because of yelling at the officials from the basketball game. But anyway, let's get and move on into uh, the Write That Down predictions. I think we have a few that are coming off the board, including one of my predictions, and I think I get some points on the board. So I'm pretty excited. Mike, can you, can, get that?
2: Can, can you tell he's excited?
0: excited. We're, we're, we're going to
1: make Wyatt wait till last now just because he got excited. No. Um, one prediction we had come off the board last week is um, one that we told you about during last week's episode. And that was Josh's prediction that Miami would beat Duke last weekend. Um, we already informed you that it didn't happen, but I hadn't factored it into my uh, percentages or anything. So we officially take it off the board this week with a
0: nah. Ah.
1: Um, another prediction that uh, came off the board, another two predictions that came off the board, I should say, with the uh, end of the men uh, the regular season for men's basketball is a prediction from me that said both the Iowa State men and women will finish in the top four in the conference. The women did so, finishing second in the conference. The men, on the other hand, did not. They ended up finishing fifth place in the conference. Very disappointing for them. So for that prediction, I get a nah. Which is strange because when I made that prediction, I was like, the men are definitely going to do it. It's the women I'm concerned about. And I what did we give you for that? Way. I don't know. You'd have to go look at the
2: sheets. Because we right. all felt very confident about that one. Yeah. Oh, how the tables have turned.
1: I think it's on the third page, maybe the second page. Um, anyway, um, the uh, other prediction that came off the board at the end of the season was one from Josh that said K-State will finish above or tied with KU in the Big 12 standings. KU got a share of the uh, Big 12 title. They shared it with Texas K-State. Tech. K-State? K-State got a uh, share of the Big 12 title with Texas Tech. So for that prediction, Josh could say, ding, 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 ding,
0: ding, 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 ding.
1: And now I guess I have to talk about Wyatt's prediction because I don't have any others to talk about. Wyatt a few weeks ago predicted that at the Texas Tech game, Coach pro would take off his jacket within 45 seconds of game time. He did so within 10 seconds of game time. 11 is 11, 11 it was seconds. 11 seconds,
2: okay. It was very
0: fast, but it was also very steamy. It was in very hot in Hilton. Yeah, it was. Very hot. It was.
2: So
1: for that prediction, Wyatt gets a
0: ding, 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 ding. ding! I'm really excited.
2: I I apologize to all of our listeners out there who have lost their eardrums
0: <laughs> due to that disgraceful so thing. Disgraceful. I would disagree with that. Anyway, let's go on to our predictions of this week. What do you have, Kyle?
2: Ooh, I'll go first. I have a good one, and this is very pertinent for tomorrow. So, the Cyclone Women's team will beat the Baylor Lady Bears tomorrow night and Bridget Carleton will be
0: the most valuable player of the tournament. So one of those two things is not like the other. Bridget Carlton should be undisputed the best, the, the most valuable player of the tournament, I think. Maybe yeah, I
1: mean, not. I mean, she hasn't had that great of a tournament. She,
2: she played uh, pretty well in the first game, but she only had 17 points and like four or five rebounds today. Today is, being Sunday. But oh,
0: she can nice move course. the ball around. She's the one who sets up a majority of the plays that the Cyclones are really. Well, yeah, at. you got to run your I offense know. to the best player. Exactly.
2: It's yeah. very. That's very variable, though, because she could have a terrible shooting night. That's true. That that's true.
1: I'm gonna say triple. Sounds good to me. Cool. Ka-ga I, I, triple I for a dispute that. for that.
0: Yay. Let's, All right, let's get a triple. Next. Go Cyclone Women.
1: I'll go next. So my prediction is that the Cyclone Women will be a three seed or better in the NCAA tournament game. So as of the uh, NCAA uh, top 16 release from last week, the Cyclones were ranked number 14, which would be a four seed. So, um, yeah, they'll be a three seed or better. They'd have to hop at least three teams to be able to do that. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, if they beat the Bears... If they beat the Bears, Bears I feel like it's happen, almost a guarantee. Right? But it's whether or not they beat the Bears. Oh, that's very dependent. I don't know if this is... I don't... I'm kind of... My brain says double.
2: That's what my first thought was, but I was also... I was also flirting with a triple in my head, too. The thing is, though, if we give him a
0: triple, right? We're, we're saying that... We're
2: saying that his
0: is the same... It's basically the same prediction, then, as yours is. Without the harder part of having Bridget be the MVP of the tournament.
2: Because his don't, doesn't have two dependent parts. Yeah, so I feel like we should be giving him a double. Double. You'll get Fine. a double for mine. <laughs> Unless you want to make mine a home run.
0: No, no, okay. we, we're not going
1: to. Uh, Baylor in the first round, and then K-State State in the second round.
0: And then... Uh, that Your,
2: that would, your guess is as good as... Well, right, oh, but yeah, then
1: they'd be a the championship matter, game right. already, so it doesn't matter who they'd play
2: there. Well, we match up fairly well against K-State. So as long as we can beat Baylor, which we haven't done we in a long time, long. 8 out of 10 in the last 10 games. Or we've lost 8 times out of 10 in the
0: last 10 games. Yeah. Mm, double or triple, what do you think? Triple. All right, sounds good to me. I'll take okay. it. And next up, we have Josh's prediction. Go ahead, Josh.
2: All right, I'm uh, kind of on the fly here because Wyatt uh, Ridley stole mine. Um, (laughs) uh, I guess uh, I will predict um, that for the March Madness seeds, uh, Iowa Iowa State will uh, place five or higher. Home run. Place five. So in the NCAA tournament, correct?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Home run. Home run. That's not gonna happen.
1: Yeah. anybody else have thoughts?
0: I am not gonna dispute that. Home run.
1: Josh, you get a home run for that prediction. Nice. Could this be our first ever home run that we get? Probably not. But we will- <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it would be fun. I w- I would enjoy
0: if that happened. I would love I it. I would it love really it. Well. But I I just I don't feel stronger that it will happen.
2: I I'd, I'd love to be in the five seed in the West region and get a trip to San Jose,
0: California. Oh, that'd be so warm. Oh, my goodness. goodness. Beautiful. But uh, since Kyle, Mike, myself, and Josh all laid out predictions, that means that we're at the end of the Write That Down prediction segment, which is the end of the Write That Down segment, which also is a conclusion of this episode. So thank you very much for listening to episode 22 of the A three eleven cast. Signing off for the aforementioned episode 22, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig and Wyatt Teeter thanks again for the third time for listening to this episode of the AF11 cast we appreciate you allowing us to bring all things sports to your beautiful ears go Cyclones.
2: Go Go Cyclones go Cyclones